We are looking at this weekend in a particular way through a certain angle. We're calling this message Awaken because I'm convinced that Easter is the reminder that God longs to awaken our soul with passion and hope and courage for the challenges we will inevitably face in this life. And there is something deep inside of God that longs to awaken us with real passion, real hope, and real courage to be able to navigate through the obstacles and the challenges and the letdowns of life that will inevitably come. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever been, maybe if I could ask this question this way, and it, it, you will see, understand it's a rhetorical one, but have you ever been disappointed by someone? Have you ever been disappointed by yourself, the person you look at in the mirror? Disappointing sometimes. Have you ever been disappointed by a situation or circumstance that isn't panning out quite the way you would have expected or hoped? You see, to ask that question presumes that there might actually be someone out there who has never been disappointed. And if that is you, I would love to talk with you right here after service because I want to know how you have managed it, you know. Because the truth of the matter is, Many of us, all of us, in some way, shape, or form, have felt and tasted the bitterness of disappointment, have we not? We, we all understand that um, sometimes it may be because of bad choices we have made and the consequences are severe. Other times it may be because of other people's bad choices that its consequences are now forcing themselves upon our own lives. And that could cause a degree of disappointment. It could be sometimes that... Um, you know, people have let us down, broken promises, their word hasn't been kept, their commitment has not been fulfilled, and all of a sudden there, there is this expectation that we started off with that was totally normal, and the bottom falls out from it. And that dip, that dip is uh, very real, very real, you know, because disappointment in our lives, for a variety of reasons, can... Um, can really alter the, the direction we head in. It could actually alter even how we start to filter everything that's going on around us. And I say this because even the most pessimistic of us, even the ones, the realists in the room, those of us who make sure we remind everybody who, who starts to get their heads back in the clouds, remember to stay on earth, those of us, who are even in that way, shape, or form, you know, that we think and behave that way, we would admit, maybe in our more vulnerable moments, that we actually have deep-seated dreams. That deep inside of us, there is something that compels us. We have desires for our lives. We do. We have desires for our family members, our loved ones. We, we have desires for our careers and the path our life is supposed to take. All of us, in some way, shape, or form, understand what it's like to have an internal drive, an expectation, a hope, a dream. And the reality is that life, the longer we live it, the more it has a way of wearing us down. It has a way of dulling us to that. And sometimes if we're honest, and I know this might, I'm just trying to address the reality of life and how it might apply to us and why Easter is so significant. Because the reality, sometimes it's that very dream, it's that very desire inside of us, that longing that we, we have, that we want to see happen. 
that actually becomes like, almost like a double-edged sword because the longer it goes unfulfilled, guess what? Now the longer that ends up paining us and it starts to disappoint us. And we know, we know that on one hand, what began, I don't know if you've ever gotten a vision of what life, of what maybe you're supposed to pursue. We, we know this, you know when we know this the most? We know this the most on the January 1st. <laughs> when we know this is the year. This is it. And that might be more on the surface level, but some of us, we have had many January 1sts. We have something inside of us, and we are convinced this is what we're supposed to pursue. And the longer that goes unfulfilled, you know what ends up happening? It can happen to us, is that what ends up happening is that dream inside of us actually becomes something that no longer motivates us. It becomes something we long to get rid of. Because its presence within us and its lack of realization around us ends up making life difficult to contend with. And it's true, dreams can actually drive us crazy sometimes. Because it is there, is there in that spot when we get to that place, a relationship, a career, or maybe a season of life, we were hoping would pan out a certain way. When that starts to get let down, many of us, you know what we sometimes end up doing? A lot of times we end up trying to, some of us, we start, start trying to numb the disappointment. Other times we try to ignore it and pretend like it's not there. And we, we in our minds, we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and just muscle forward. And it is remarkable the capacity of human nature to do that. Many times that is what we do. Other times we, maybe others of us, we just settle in kind of like a hopeless resignation. I don't know if you ever heard this. It is what it is. Oh, well. Maybe it just didn't play out that way for me. And in the midst of that place, in the midst of these normal responses, what we see in the scriptures is actually a God who steps right into those places of letdown, right into those places of disappointment. And he moves and he meets us right there on that path is actually when we might find ourselves much more open than we ever were before. And that is exactly what we're going to see in this account because what we see is that there is a God who longs to awaken our soul with passion and hope, real hope, substance-filled hope and courage to be able to walk through the very difficult challenges our life will inevitably face. And if you open up your handout, this is the account we're going to look at. We're going to look at an account in which Jesus... Jesus was not ignorant to the reality of what his disciples found themselves in. In fact, they, he found, he, we're, we're going to look at is the history's first Easter Sunday. And what we're going to see is that the followers of Christ were actually in a very confused, terrified, distraught place. They weren't in a place of strength. They were in a place in which they had seen Jesus crucified three days earlier. Some had seen, some had heard of it. No one doubted it. It happened. 
And three days later, we see these two men making their way from Jerusalem, which is the capital, which is right outside of where this all happened. And they're making their way, we understand, back to their home in Emmaus, which is a town seven miles removed from there. And as they're walking and talking, they end up having quite a conversation. Luke captures it. And if you just go ahead, we'll just read in Luke 24, verse 13. We're told here that that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus and about seven miles away from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Um, I personally love this account because it shows us already from the very beginning a very good picture, a realistic picture. Here is Jesus walking with them. And what does it say? They're walking and they're talking and they're recounting everything they had seen. And as they do that, they're making their way, and this, this stranger comes up next to them, and they, he starts, you know, you almost get the idea. It's like, are you guys headed in that direction? Yeah. Do you mind if I join? Yeah. And he's walking with them, and they don't realize that it's Jesus talking to them. Um, Luke is not in any way exaggerating the truth. In fact, he's capturing it for what it was no one expected Jesus to be alive. No one. And this is where Jesus starts having a very, in my opinion, from his perspective, perhaps entertaining conversation. Because we're told in verse 16 that their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to him, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, he did miracles and he said amazing things. Before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Have you not heard? And he, Jesus is walking with them. And he asks them, what are you guys talking about? And they stop. They're sad. Like, they're, they're not happy. You know, not, in fact, everything is, is they're stunned. What do, you, what do you mean? What do we do? What things? And you know what, Jesus? Jesus actually asks them to inform him of what happened to him. <laughs> Think about it. He, he asks them, what, what is it that you're talking about? Have you not? What just happened? What happened? Oh, my good. Okay, there was this man named Jesus. They're talking to Jesus about Jesus. There was this man named Jesus. He was incredible. We thought there's no other man quite like him. Everything he did, it just was like the deeds were powerful. And his words, they matched equally. 
the actions of his life and the words of his life, there was no space between them. There was no discrepancy. And, and what's worse, yeah, I know that sounds good, but what's worse is that the ones who were in charge, the authority figures, ended up delivering him up to death and they crucified him. If we could think about it this way, if nothing else, Luke is capturing an amazing account of the real mental state the, the disciples of Jesus found themselves in. Because you know what they're ex actually expressing? They're expressing profound sadness at the death of not just a person, but of a lifelong dream. That actually God may have actually been interested in them. That perhaps God was good after all. And maybe he did desire to be near to those who were rejected and outcasted to the poor and distraught, to those no one else in society deemed worthy. Which is who Jesus drew near to. And what, do they, what they don't realize, you know what they don't realize? They do not realize that Jesus' crucifixion was necessary. See, what they don't realize is that Jesus' death on the cross was meant to cover the sins. You know what sins are? It is anything that separates us from being united with God. They didn't realize this. They didn't realize that his death was actually all part of the plan. And we see this. We see this um, deep disappointment and we see this confusion because what they had never expected was that he would return. In fact, in verse 21, we're told, when we, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, that is to set us free from the subjugation of the Roman Empire. And yes, and besides all this, it was now the third day since these things happened. They continued to talk to him. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, this morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had been, they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Jesus, what, what you have to understand is that this has turned a, not just a terrible turn of events here, but now, now we're confused. Now we're confused. And listen, here's the thing. I, I don't, if, if there are some of us where, you know, because I, I grew up, I grew up um, in a home in which Easter was one of the two times we would make our way to church. As a, as a faithful, nominal Catholic, it was almost a required honor. We had to do it. It had a feast, it had food, delicious food, and all kinds of things associated with Easter and with Christmas would be the other one. But if, you know, here's the thing about this, the significance of this day, that if we, if, we, if we are somewhat skeptical of, is this true? Here's, there are several things we have to understand. Luke is capturing the reality that no disciple expected, no disciple expected what Jesus did. Not one. And then if you add to this, what does Luke say? Jesus appeared to who? To a woman. Now, in today's culture, 
obviously. If you want to get the word out, you've got to get people who know people, people who communicate, who actually talk, right? That, that, like we would understand, okay, this is how you move a message. Okay, in Jesus' day, it's not the case. There was no such thing as equality of voice. In fact, to have a witness be a female or a woman would be to discredit that testimony. If you actually wanted it to be believable, a man of upright standing needed to be the one vocalizing it. Preferably with land and wealth. Never a woman who was an outcast of society, who became a faithful follower of him, who upon arriving at the tomb wept bitterly, wondering, where have they taken his body? Thinking herself that they had stolen it. Who is they? The very ones who put him there because they were so threatened by his words in life. Their own power structures were what they were defending. And Luke captures all of it boldly, unashamedly. Yeah, he appeared to a woman. And then he went, she, went, she went back, they went back, and they told the disciples, and two of them ran. We know from a different gospel, John and Peter were the ones who ran. John decides to add the little tidbit, and John got there first. And they go into the tomb, and yet they don't totally understand what happened. They're all confused. If anything, they're now a little bit, the ground beneath them is now even more shooken up than they expected. If they were coming to grips with the fact that their Messiah was dead, now the absence of his body was actually causing a little bit more instability than they were prepared for. And it is there, in the midst of that confusion, that Jesus, and I believe, tenderly, not condescendingly. Says to them in verse 25, he said to them, oh foolish ones, or you just don't know, do you? Slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures things concerning himself. You know what Jesus is saying? He is saying, don't you understand? Your desires actually connected with the very desires of God. That what you had hoped, it was actually onto something. That your dreams, that everything you had expected, it had merit. There was something in there that was connecting. But you didn't see that the way it was going to unfold wasn't exactly the way you had expected it to. And then what does Jesus do? Jesus ends up having a Bible study with that. The greatest Bible study in human history. Because Jesus was able to say, not this is what God says about us or this is what God says about this man named Jesus. No, Jesus was able to say, and there you will find me. And there you will find me. And there you will find me. And that verse, it's about me. And that passage, it's, yeah, right, it's about me. This historical moment in Israel's life, 
It was pointing you towards me. I just could imagine all the different moments. I mean, David and Goliath wasn't just an amazing story. No. It's a story about God overcoming the notorious enemy of his people. Death itself. You mean God rescuing a people who are captive and setting them free isn't just history? No. He's wanting to do it now. He's wanting to do it now. He started to remind them, I'm convinced, he started to show them that Jesus' resurrection, it meant, it meant that hope rooted in God would never be able to be silenced to overcome. It meant that shattered dreams could actually become the places where God meets us and we become open to his goodness in our lives. It meant that disappointed expectations can become the road where God meets us for what he longs to do in us. And so they drew near in verse 28 to the village to which they were going and he acted as if he were, he were going further. All the while, he's moving along with this. They urged him strongly, stay with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. He, he did what he normally does. He blessed the meal, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight, and they said to each other in that moment, Did our hearts, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? while he opened to us the scriptures. Did not something inside of our soul start to wake up when we heard his voice, when he started to reveal himself in his word? This account is an amazing account because it would not be the way we would actually play it out if we had the opportunity to write the script they got a glimpse of Jesus their understanding increased a little bit but it was just enough for them to recognize Jesus is alive were all their questions answered no if anything they had more questions did they understand every degree of implication? No. But one thing they came to a conclusion. He is alive. He is alive. This account, this account in my mind reminds us of a couple things. Easter is the reminder that, and I'm just going to put these thoughts up there, just for us to be able to sit with just a little bit, not too long. That God may be actually, he may be nearer than we realize. Um, he certainly was to them. They had no idea. Think about it. He was literally standing next to them. 
we, we, we judge things based on circumstance. And a lot of times we do. We judge things based on the circumstances of our lives. It, and this is where we might have a lot more in common with the two men going to Emmaus than we realize. Because the circumstances they were judging things on was that when Jesus was popular at the height of his ministry, when everyone thought he was an amazing man, they thought God is with us. But when things turned south and all of a sudden the one they revered and respected was nailed on a cross, spit on and mocked and ridiculed by their own leaders, all of a sudden they find themselves walking a path in which they, they don't know where God is. And in the midst of that circumstance, what do we see? We see that Jesus does not allow the circumstance to separate himself from those who are seeking him. He simply does not. We see that. Others of us, we might not say, you know what, some of us, we might actually say, I don't know that I'm that religious. But deep inside of us, we might think, you know what, but if God, if God actually drew near to people, well, clearly he would draw near to good people, right? And some of us would say, he would draw near to good people. And you know what? That's kind of what makes me upset. Because we would say, I'm good. He should notice. Some of us, we might not say it out loud, but our thoughts might say it. <laughs> Others of us, we might say, no, the exact opposite, actually. If God does exist, he would draw near to good people. And guess what? I am not anywhere close to good. And wherever we might find ourselves, what we do see in Jesus is that he always broke out of the box in which people try to put him in. He hung out with women who were known to be prostitutes. He hung out with men who were known to be extortioners. And he called them. And you know what he said continually? God is actually interested in you. He is close to you. In fact, he is sending you his very own son. And he would go to the lepers, those that society said they are literally too unclean to touch. And he would be with them, unafraid of being contaminated. And for the first time, instead of leprosy, the disease, moving into his life, health moved out of his life into a person's, a person's soul and body. It's remarkable. Everywhere he went, People did not expect him to be near, and yet he, that is who he drew near to. He drew near to those who did not expect him to be there. And if that's the case, if Easter reminds us of that, well, Easter also reminds us of the reality that life's disappointments, they can open us up to what God wants to do in our lives. They really can. Because the beautiful thing about the resurrection, as I have said already, is that no one expected it. No one. It is so easy now, 2,000 years removed. If we have ever heard this story before, this account, if we have ever been familiar with it, to take it for granted. But the reality is, the only reason 2,000 years later this message is being proclaimed is because it shocked the most devout of believers. No one expected it. I mean, they were crushed. And yet, what do we see? We see that Jesus decided 
to move into the depth of their agony and reveal himself. And what we see here is the incredible theme found throughout all the scriptures that when God is involved, this is what our lead pastor always reminds us of, it is the breakdown that leads to, listen, God breaking through in our lives that leads to eventually our breakout in this life. Why? Because it is in the breakdown. It is when we shed ourselves of the things that we had hoped would happen. And all the distractions are stripped from us. You know what also is stripped? Our pride is removed. And what we put as up as obstacles are now gone. And we find ourselves in a place that's a little bit more open, a little bit more willing to at least have an audience, to listen to what the possibilities. That is where we find ourselves. Sometimes we might find ourselves in a place of desperation. There is no one more motivated for change than the one who is desperate for it. And it is there that we get to discover in that place, when we are sitting in a place where we might be not where we wanted to be, you know what happens? All that we thought was important is actually removed. And what we are left with is what is truly matters. And there, God loves to meet with us. Can we talk? I'm not, we hear him say, blind to your pain. I've experienced pain far more than you could ever realize. Can we talk? Because Easter also reminds us that Jesus is the key to awaken our soul. <coughs> He is the key to awaken our soul. Desire, at the end of the day, St. Augustine said, the desires of our heart will keep us restless until our hearts find rest in him. That our hopes and our dreams, they are actually there, meant to call us to something beyond what we can realize. Now, Solomon, one of the wisest Philosophers, kings of Israel said, eternity is planted inside the human soul. Meant to call us to something beyond what we can see and touch. And all through the scriptures, what we see is, what, is that Jesus is the one who is the key to awaken our soul. Uh, years later, first century thinker, Paul, said this to the believers in, in Corinth. He said, now we look inside and what we see, and I asked him to put this up there, is that anyone united with the Messiah, that is Jesus, gets a fresh start. Created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons, awakens. Look at it. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. The resurrection at the end of the day means anyone who would seek to believe him, to embrace him, maybe they don't know anything, everything about him. Maybe anyone who is willing to embark on this journey, guess what? There is something inside of our soul that the scriptures say that Jesus told the disciples, tell everybody, there's something in our soul 
that is filled with new life. And, you know, I'm going to ask just a couple members of the band to come back up. And we're going to do something that we, we actually we don't do much. But maybe because it's the significance of today and maybe because we just never know where we might be exactly. But I just felt impressed to do this. So we're going to end... We're going to end our service a little differently. We're going to um, share a song in a moment. We're going to receive our time of giving, which if you're a guest, we don't want you to feel any pressure whatsoever. But if some of us are here, and we, we perhaps, this is like, this is our one and done for the year. Uh, we probably won't step into church until December. Or maybe some of us, we have been coming for some time and we have, you know, we're a little bit curious about what this whole church thing is about. Or we're, we're a little curious about what this whole God thing is about, what, what Jesus is about. And we might wonder, maybe God is closer to me than I realize. Wherever we might be, I'm going to ask you to do something. And so, out of respect for those next to us, those around us, I'd like everyone to just bow their heads. And if you find yourself here, and you're saying, you know what, I don't know everything there is to know. I don't understand everything there is to understand. But I do, I've come to a place where I want to give God a chance to breathe life into my soul. I want Jesus. Go ahead, raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Go ahead, keep it up. See it. It's all right. That's great. See, we don't have to understand everything there is to understand. He simply invites us on a journey that's a lifelong journey. That this prayer is the beginning of, not the end of. If you feel inclined, go ahead, raise your hand. Awesome. Awesome. Go ahead and pray with me under your breath, however you decide. Jesus. I believe that you came. That you died on the cross for my sin. And everything that could possibly separate me from God. I believe that three days later, you rose again. And I believe that you are alive today. And so I ask that your spirit breathe new life into me. Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Would you awaken my soul? In your name I pray.
Some of us, we might have been doing this for some time now. And some of us, sometimes life can deal with some severe blows. I mean, real ones. Things aren't panning out quite the way we had expected. And on this Easter Sunday, you know where we find ourselves? We find ourselves on the road to Emmaus, confused, sad, discouraged. Maybe we're in a place where we long to know, God, I knew once you were close, are you now? If that's the case, I'd love to pray for you. And so, out of respect, if you guys could just, and we'll pray together, but if you could um, raise your hand, that's you. I recommit my life to you. I follow you. I want to know you're near. Awesome. 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 Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you for the great reminder that you, you tenaciously pursue us. You love us. And I pray, God, for my brothers and my sisters here. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you walk next to them? Would you embrace them? Would you refuel their soul with something of a desire to be near to you? When they read your word, I pray that you would breathe life into them. That they would also be able to say, oh, how my heart burns when you speak to me. I pray, God, that um, there would be a renewal of commitment, desire to follow you. Our lives belong to you as best as we can say it. We thank you that at the end of the day, your commitment to us is not dependent on our strength, but on the fact that death itself could not separate you from us. And so we thank you, God. We pray that you would strengthen our hearts you would awaken us. Pray for your life-giving presence to be here. We ask for your blessing over our time of giving, our final song. We pray for this.